Namaste. I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in beautiful San Diego. You know, we are always searching for ways to live the example of our teachings in order to improve our world. One of the ways we accomplish this is with Partners Fair Trade Boutique, our store here at the Unity Center campus. You'll find many unique items from around the world, all ethically sourced through fair trade. So making decisions spiritually, making decisions spiritually. And as I said, when I was sharing the quotes and readings with you this month, I'm focusing on a few well-known stories from the Bible, but I promise I'm not going to be pushing the Bible or hitting you over the head with it. There is some great wisdom in the stories in the Bible, when we look at them mystically and metaphysically and, and allegorically, really, you know, unity does not take the Bible literally. So you can let out a sigh of relief, right? We don't take the Bible literally. Unity is principle-based, not Bible-based. But having said that, we do recognize that there are perennial truths and deep insights and spiritual wisdom contained in these stories, contained in many of the messages and words. But we have to decipher a lot of that. And so what we want to do is make sure that we're not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but that we're able to glean, whether it's from our Bible or from any sacred uh, literature, that we're able to glean practical insights, practical ideas that help us to live our lives better. And who wouldn't want to make better decisions, right? I mean, it's a very practical thing, whether it's you're trying to decide a significant career change or trying to decide timing of retirement or trying to decide whether to enter into a relationship or leave a relationship or trying to decide which course of healthcare action might might be the right one for you if you're facing some sort of physical challenge. So we want to be able to make really good decisions. And if we take a look at the story of Adam and Eve, we get some insight into it. Now, the story of Adam and Eve is an allegory. It's one of several allegories found in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. And an allegory means it's not a, a, a recounting of history. It's a story. It's a fictional story, but within its fiction, when looked at mystically and metaphysically, we can pull out different insights. So the story of Adam and Eve is also called the fall of man. And you know, it's interesting, it's not called the fall of woman. You're gonna hear me play off that theme a little bit. But anyway, the story of the fall of man and what? Women were, thank you, I'm glad you said that, Mike. Although it was the woman that was, that was tempted first with the serpent, right? So anyway, the, the allegory, the story takes place in a garden. And this is like a, a garden of paradise. Everything absolutely perfect. Everything beautiful, perfect weather, lush, plenty of food. Everything's just wonderful. And God creates Adam. But Adam's in the midst of this garden, and Adam is lonely. And so God creates woman. God creates Eve for Adam. So Adam won't be lonely. And in the middle of the garden, there is a tree. And that tree is called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
And God says to Adam and to Eve, you're supposed to take care of this garden. You can enjoy this garden, but there's one restriction. The restriction is you cannot eat from the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For then you will, if you do, for then you will surely die. How many of you are parents? How many of you know the quickest way to get your kid to do something is to tell them it's absolutely off the limits? Right? So there's a lot of projection in these stories if you think about it, a lot of psychological projection. But anyway, so the story says, God says you can have anything here that you want, but you can't eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what was the fruit? No. It actually doesn't say in the Bible. It actually, it might in some paraphrases, but a paraphrase of the Bible is not a translation of the Bible. That's a whole other lesson I could go into that I'm not going to go into here. People who study at the area in which the Garden of Eden would have probably been taking place would say it's not an apple. They don't grow in that part of the world. It was probably a pomegranate. But anyway, it doesn't matter what it was. God says you can have anything you want, but just don't have this. And so there's a serpent or a snake, depending upon which version you're reading, that tempts Eve and says, you know, that fruit is really good. And if you eat of that fruit, your eyes will be open and you will be like God's. And so Eve is tempted and Eve takes a bite of the fruit. And I guess she likes it. Because she turns around and she tempts Adam to do the same. And their eyes are open and suddenly they experience and realize their nakedness. They are embarrassed. They are ashamed. They try to hide from God. What do kids do when they're caught with a hand in the cookie jar? They, you know, somebody maybe do it or they hide it, right? They try to hide. And of course, God being God in this story, God sees what they have done and banishes them from the garden. Now that's not the God that we believe in in unity, okay? That's a very anthropomorphic God in the sky kind of God, and we don't believe in that in unity. But we're looking at this story mystically and metaphysically. And there's some real key points here. So everything was going well and beautiful until there was a moment, a decision that they made that was not ultimately in their best interest. And the result of that decision to go against what they were told to not do was their banishment from that state of bliss, that state of everything being beautiful and everything being wonderful. So what are the pieces in here that we can learn from in understanding the metaphysics of this? Well, first of all, just looking a little bit at the characters. The garden represents a state of consciousness a state of consciousness in which we feel a sense of well-being. And in that state of consciousness, we move with two different mindsets, represented by Adam and represented by Eve. Adam, representing the intellect, the man representing the intellect, the thinking nature, and Eve representing the feeling nature. And the feeling nature, when immature, can easily be tempted by emotion to make poor decisions, decisions in, in, the, heat of the, in the heat of the moment. And oftentimes when the feeling nature is under control of a 
less mature feeling nature, it can influence our better thinking. Have you ever gone against your better thinking because there was in the moment an emotion that you had and you let that emotion override what we might call wisdom or your better thinking? Raise your hand or nod your head if you can. Right, right. I, we all have because in all of these stories, whether they're stories we're interpreting from the Bible or stories we interpret from another sacred text, the reason they are so powerful is we can see ourselves in the stories. These are stories about our own struggles, if you will, our own awakening, if you will, our own growing up in spiritual wisdom. So there are six takeaways that I want to share with you this morning. They're my takeaways. You in understanding <clears throat> this <coughs> excuse me, you in understanding the story might take away something different, but these are some of the things I take away from the story of helping me to remember how to make better decisions. Remember how to make better decisions. The first one, don't make decisions in the heat of the day, but rather in the cool of the day. Don't make decisions in the heat of the day. Make decisions in the cool of the day. What does that refer to? It refers to not letting our feeling and emotion in the moment force us into making a decision prematurely without engaging the brain, without engaging the mind. Have you ever been so angry, so upset about something that you acted in that moment out of that anger, out of that upset, only to regret it. How many emails are sent that way, right? We just go, oh, I wish I could pull that back right now. I really should not have said that. How many relationships can be permanently damaged or severely damaged by in the heat of the moment, in the rage or the passion, the anger that we're feeling, that we lash out? And we say something that we really don't mean. I found myself in that situation not too many months ago, saying something to someone, sending an email, a family member saying, let's agree to never talk about this again. Or actually, what I meant to say was, let's agree to never talk about this again. What I said in the heat of a moment was, let's agree never to talk again. And I'm paying the consequences for that. I am even apologizing, even trying to, to find a way to build the bridges. Had I made that decision in the cool of the day, in the cool of the moment, I would have sat with my anger and let, and there was legitimate reason for the anger that I felt. But it should have been channeled in a different way. Does that make sense? And so in the heat of the moment, we can succumb to our lower human nature instead of saying, wait a minute, let me push the pause button here so that I can breathe into this and, and in the cool of the day, make a better decision, make a better choice. So don't make decisions in the heat of the day, but rather in the cool of the day. I was taken by the quote I read earlier, always, it's always a good idea to do something relaxing before making an important decision in life. In the cool of the day, not the heat of the moment. Second, don't try to force your own way. 
Adam and Eve, Eve in particular in this story, and Eve operating out of an immature feeling nature, Eve tried to force her way. God in the story said you can have anything here that you want but this one thing. She wanted that one thing and she tried to force her way and not only for herself, but then also pulled Adam, excuse me, pulled Adam into the very same, same choice. When we force our way, we leave a wake of destruction behind us. And a lot of us leave that wake of destruction behind us and never clean up the mess. To force our way is to create collateral damage in the process. So what is the alternative? The alternative is when we are not operating in the heat of the moment, but in the cool of the night or in the cool of the day, it means that we are allowing ourselves, we are choosing to push the pause button and to get a bit more quiet and a bit more still so that we can listen for and to that deeper wisdom and to that deeper wisdom. And that deeper wisdom has a certain effortlessness to it. And let me clarify something here. Effortless effort does not mean there's no effort involved or no action involved. There is. But it has a qualitative difference to it. When we are forcing something, we are pushing against it, right? Are you with me here? There's a different kind of effort in force that might get us a temporary win, but ultimately it's going to create so much more damage in the long run. That when we don't try to force our way, but we allow ourselves to flow into the right path or into the higher choice and better decision, then we see doors begin to open, and there's a sense of peace about it. It's almost as if we're back in the garden, back in a state where things, where we're experiencing that state of well-being. Third takeaway for me is don't be misled by the promise of something for nothing. The serpent was essentially trying to promise Eve and then Eve, Adam, something for nothing. Eat this fruit the one that you were told not to, and your eyes will be opened and you will be like God's. We could do a whole deep dive into the concept of non-duality and duality, but this is not the place to go into that kind of deep dive. So don't be misled by the promise of something for nothing. There's a lot of wisdom to the words that says, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. It probably is. If we want, you know... The idea of something for nothing is kind of a lazy way to success. It just doesn't work that way. We need to be clear on what it is that we do want and need to be willing to work with the flow and the energy of spirit or God, whatever word you want to use there, to accomplish what it is that we want, not with force, but with deliberate mindful action, moving with the flow. But we have to also realize that whatever it is that we are going for in our life, there's going to be a price we have to pay for it. For example, we say, we want a better job. Well, that better job has a price to pay. Yes, that better job probably means better benefits for us, greater prosperity for us, 
but it likely requires something from us in return, right? We may need to learn a whole other skill. We may need to be willing to travel, or we may have to work remotely, or we may need to, to um, have longer hours initially. As long as we keep in mind that whatever good that we are going for, whatever dream we have, is going to require our own growth and require something for something, then I think we will be on the path to making good, practical decisions for ourselves from a spiritual basis. Fourth takeaway, choose what is in keeping with your highest spiritual aspirations. Let me repeat that. Choose what is in keeping with your highest spiritual aspirations. So when, if you're at a place in your life where you're really needing to make a decision about something, it could be about career, as I've said before, it could be about a relationship, it could be about a health situation. I don't know what particular area you're working in in your life. But if you have an important decision to make, can you sit with it? like the song suggests, can you approach it in the cool of the day, not the heat of the, the moment? And can you look at it through the lens of what is in keeping with your highest spiritual aspirations? Because if you're at a place where you're needing to make a decision, you're at a turning point of sorts. You're at a pivot point of sorts. You're going to be saying yes to something and no or not now to something else, right? So you're going to be moving into the direction of saying yes for something at the same time that you say yes, you're going to be letting go of something else. Make sure that what you're saying yes to aligns with your highest spiritual aspirations. And that often has to do with what is it that makes you feel fulfilled? What is it that really plays, as we've talked about before, that plays to your strengths, to your God-given passions and talents and abilities? So when you're at that pivot point to make a decision, make sure you pull that into the factoring of it. And don't ever discount that. Don't ever discount that. Because to the extent that we play more to what is in alignment with our personal highest spiritual aspirations, all other parts of our lives are going to work better. We're going to feel more content. When we feel more content and happy, we're going to feel and be healthier. We're going to, more than likely, attract new opportunities, new people into our lives that are resonating and radiating at the same similar vibration that we are because we are playing to what is really natural to our highest spiritual aspirations. Fifth takeaway, this one sometimes I think is hard to do. Um, and maybe that's just because for me sometimes this one is hard to do. To be flexible, leaving the final outworking to God, to spirit. To be clear on what the decision is, as clear as you possibly can be, but to know that the road to that decision might look different than what you think it's going to look like when you first make the decision. Does that make sense? And to be flexible, leaving that, I call it wiggle room when I'm in a happy mood. 
you know, wiggle room for God to work in and through me and redirect me to be supple with that, that flow of, of spirit. But sometimes that flow of spirit looks kind of confusing, or sometimes that flow of spirit seems to be taking me in a way that I'm just sure is not the best way. Can you relate to that at all for yourself? And then that goes back to the, an earlier point I was making of the danger of forcing. There's a big difference between willingness and willfulness. Willingness works a lot better in our lives in the long run than willfulness. So be flexible, leaving the final outworking to God. It may, the path may look a lot different than you are thinking it's going to look from right where you're sitting. And the last is this, to be willing to try again. To be willing to try again. You know, Adam and Eve had that aha moment when they realized, oops, we made a mistake. We made a mistake, and we're paying the consequences for that mistake now. There's a point at which we wake up and we say, okay, you know, maybe I, I didn't pay attention to that deeper wisdom. Maybe I, I forced it. Maybe I responded or reacted in the heat of the day. But I'm going to eke every bit of learning and insight and wisdom out of that. I'm going to learn from that and then not give up, but be willing to try again and to try anew. To be willing to try again and to try anew. So it is always my hope every time we get together on a Sunday in person or online, it's always my hope that whatever it is that is up for you in your life, whether you're at a place in your life where you're working through something or working towards something, that when you come into this room, you hear something that's practical, whether it's in a line to a song or something that a singer may say when they describe a song or something I may say, that you hear something that you can use that you can use, and that when you walk out of these doors, that you feel a little lighter, you feel a little more hopeful about the direction you're going or about what's before you. That, to me, is what Sangha is all about. That, to me, is why we gather together. And it's why, when we gather together in person, there's something even more powerful, more palpable, palpable that we experience that energizes us. So I hope you leave with something that's practical for you. Namaste. Mm -hmm.